So before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We begin our study this year of the second book of Torah, Shemot, or Exodus. And it introduces us to someone who is probably one of the most best-known Bible characters. His name is Moses. How, how many of you have heard of Moses already? You see? He's famous. He's an Israelite raised in the house of Pharaoh. And like Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh, Moses presents himself publicly as an Egyptian because he's raised in the Egyptian culture. Uh, he's been adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh and raised in Pharaoh's courts and household. Um, but like Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh, his heart is tied closely to the children of Israel. And outwardly, he's Egyptian, but inwardly, he's an Israelite. And Hebrews 11 puts it this way, Hebrews 11:24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer oppression with God's people rather, to experience, rather than to experience the fleeting enjoyment of sin. He valued disgrace for Messiah above the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his reward. And so he was raised in Pharaoh's house, but as an adult, something has developed in him where he realizes he's part of the Jewish people. And you know the story. He comes to the defense of an Israelite who's being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster, and Moses intervenes and actually kills the taskmaster, and then other Israelites are fearful of him, and they wonder, will Moses kill them next? Not the plan that Moses had. There are times when the rescuers become the ones who are rejected. The ones who try to help become the ones who are persecuted. Well, with fear and uncertainty, Moses flees. He leaves Egypt, and he makes a new home in Midian. He finds a wife and a new life there. And as we're reading this book, I want you to focus on five ways that the Lord reveals himself to Moses. It's useful, I think, to think about these five ways because they're all introduced in this first reading. And I think they prepare us by giving us a framework for the reading of the entire book, and as well it gives us a framework for developing our understanding of God, and specifically our understanding of the God who reveals himself to Moses. Because the God who reveals himself to Moses is not like any of the gods of Egypt. He's not like the gods of the Greeks, or the Romans, or the Norse gods, or any other god. He is distinct, and he has his own character, and he reveals himself in very specific ways. And I want to encourage you to read the book again with open eyes and an open heart as if you're reading it for the first time. 
and to try to imagine as you're reading that you don't know how it's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, because Moses didn't know what was going to happen next. Everything that he experiences that's recorded there is a surprise to him. And if you read it with that in mind, instead of with jaded hearts or that kind of sophistication we can all develop, I know what it says, I know what it means, I've read it a hundred times or a dozen times or twenty times or whatever, or I've read it every year. If you take the approach that it's a fresh story, then fresh insight will open up to you. So Moses is filled with wonder, he's filled with uncertainty, he has questions, and I'm going to put into my own words some of the questions that Moses expresses just in this Torah portion. This is when he sees the burning bush and what happens next. One of his questions is, what's going on? Another question is, what is this? He sees a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed by the fire. And he approaches because he's curious, not because he's having a spiritual awakening. In fact, he doesn't realize that anything spiritual is happening until the bush that's not consumed starts talking. <laughs> and then another question, who is this? It goes from what is this to who is this? And then as he's hearing this voice, it's, who are you? What's your name? And then another question that really proves that the Jewish character of Moses is fully alive. How can I be sure? <laughs> and then another question, what am I supposed to say? What do I tell other people about you? And then, this is a good one, how do I handle them when they don't believe me? These are all questions that Moses expresses in his own words, but if you read the text, I think you'll see that these questions are there. And these are great, great questions that Moses asks explicitly, and they're recorded in the scripture for a reason, so that you and I, and people everywhere and anywhere, can know two things, two simple things. Moses did not run away from his questions. Some people do. They have questions and they suppress them. They deny that they have questions and yet inside in, in their heart of hearts and in the deep places in their mind, these questions are, are haunting them. What's, what does Moses do? He asks the questions and he asks them to God. The second thing is also important. God does not run away from Moses' questions. He answers them, though we have to admit there are times when his answers are challenging. What's your name? And the Lord says, Eir Asher Eir, which roughly means I am who I am. I will be what I will be. Martin Buber's commentary is, you will never be able to control me by mastering my name. Because many people in that era thought if they knew the name of a god, it was like uh, you were granted a genie's wish. You could, you could use that name and get whatever you wanted. But the Lord is basically saying, 
And it's not a Popeye statement, I am that I am, it's something else. I am who I am, and what I will be is up to me, but it will be good for you, but you can't control me, so don't even try. Let's, let's be honest. I think I'm not the only person here who has ever tried to control God through prayer <laughs> or through Scripture. Have you ever come across a scripture that you know you can use to get God to do something? Yeah, it turns out he still exercises sovereignty. So let's look at five ways that God reveals himself. The, the first, at the burning bush, God reveals himself as fire. He appears as fire at the burning bush, and later he will appear to all of Israel as a pillar of fire. At Sinai, he'll appear in the fire, and then at Shavuot, centuries later in Jerusalem, he'll reveal himself through tongues of fire when he pours out the Holy Spirit upon Yeshua's disciples. He also later is called by the prophets a consuming fire, Though here, he's not consuming the bush, there are times when he's consuming. And then we also discover that he's the refiner's fire. He's the fire that causes our own purities to rise up. And he will refine us, the scripture says, seven times. So that the dross rises up. Each time the heat gets hotter and more impurity surfaces. For people who don't understand this way of God's working, they can be shocked when the dross comes up. You may think, oh my gosh, I need to hide this. Here's the news. You can't. It's already there. And you sure, certainly can't hide it from God because he knows what he's doing. He's the refiner's fire. And so he's heating things up so that the dross will come to the surface so that he can remove it. He's not scandalized by your dross. He has a way of using his own fire. But there's something to keep in mind. He's not just an incendiary process. He's not just a fire like every other kind of fire that could be managed or controlled. He is spiritual fire, and he offers a tevilah ba'esh, an immersion by fire. But let's be honest, um, guys love fire. Men, let me just do a quick survey here. How many of you ever played with fire? And how many of you, like me, have some souvenirs on your body from that activity? Yeah, every so often I'll look at certain, you know, souvenirs, little scars here and there. It's like, yeah, I remember when that happened. Oh, I remember this. The truth is, when, when we were teenagers, sometimes we would follow a fire truck at a distance, but we just wanted to see what was burning. 
And we have that kind of curiosity. And then when you think about cooking, how many men are, are cooking using uh, sous vide these days? Yeah, good. One, maybe none. How many men like to cook on fire? Lots more. Yeah, sous vide, if you didn't know, that's immersion cooking in uh, heated water. Yeah. And it's not boiling. It's something else. It's, it's a sophisticated way of cooking. But guys really like fire, right? So, like Moses, we may be drawn to the fire just as curiosity. But, we have to learn something about God. Though he appears as fire, he can't be managed like fire that we build or, or we need to control or even extinguish. If you try to control the fire of God, you'll discover it's not possible. Second way that God reveals himself is as a personal presence. He appears as a person. And though he appears as fire and in fire, he's not to be thought of only as a burning fire. He's not just a force of nature. He comes as a personal presence. As a person, he is there. He's with Moses in much the same way that Moses is there with, them, with him. He comes personally. He's in the fire, but he's talking to Moses personally. And do you remember the first words that he speaks? Moses, Moses. Or since he was speaking in Hebrew, Moshe, Moshe. Which is interesting that at that time Moses was understanding Hebrew. Though raised as an Egyptian. So God calls to him. He calls him by name. That's an important thing. God knew his name. The third way that God reveals himself is as a voice. And this is particularly interesting to me because um, I worked in radio news and public affairs and programming and operations, and I loved voices. And to hear a great voice can be transforming. When, when I called out to the Lord, he actually answered me. And he called me by my name, and it changed everything. I fell in love with his voice. And I knew immediately when I heard this voice that this is the voice of Yeshua speaking by the Holy Spirit, this is God. And all of my theory about who God was just fell to the ground. And instead, I understood God is not abstract. He's not philosophical. He's not just an impersonal force out there. He is a person, and he knows my name. Yeshua put it this way, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them personally. Not only did God call to Moses by name, but think of this, when Yeshua was walking around, we read about it in the first chapter of John, he called someone Nathaniel. He spotted Nathaniel, and then he started telling Nathaniel about Nathaniel. And he said, this is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel said, how do you know who I am? 
And Yeshua said, I was watching you. I know who you are. And through the hearing of the voice of Yeshua, Nathanael's faith is birthed and enlarged. And he says to everyone around, this is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And he confirms what others have told him, that this is the one that the prophets and Moses have spoken about. And what did it take? It took hearing the voice of Yeshua. That was it. When he heard Yeshua's voice, he knew he belonged to Yeshua. He knew he was a sheep who belonged to Yeshua, confirming what Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice. They hear me when I call to them, and I know them. The prophet Isaiah said, I will call them by name, though they don't know me. I remember when I discovered that in the scriptures. Discover is not a good word, but it was how it appeared to me, because it was always there. I didn't write it. I didn't invent it. I, I just came across the scripture where the prophet Isaiah speaks in the name of the Lord and, and says, I will call them by name. I've talked to so many Jewish people who came to faith in Messiah because they heard the voice of the Lord calling them by name. And it woke them up. It gave them new life. Just hearing the Lord call them by name changed everything. So God reveals himself as a voice. He speaks. Moses listens, and then we find out that God also listens. So God both speaks and listens. And he speaks in a way that Moses can understand. That's so important. God speaks to Moses in a way that Moses can write down words that you and I can read now centuries later. And as we read these words, faith is born in us and strengthened in us. So Moses hears the word of the Lord. God speaks through words. Fourth way that God revealed himself was as wisdom and ultimate authority. God tells Moses who he is. He says, I am the Lord. Now, do you know what Lord means in English? Master, the boss, the one who can tell another what to do and has authority about it. God calls Moses first by name, and then he gives him instruction. He says, hey, Mo, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You know, because Moses is thinking, this is a curious place. He's not in awe because he doesn't know what's going on. And even when he hears the voice of the Lord, his first response is not spiritual awe and respect. It's still curiosity. And then the Lord says, take your shoes off. This is a holy place. It's like, ooh, I didn't do this right. Rabbi Yuri and I were in Azerbaijan, an almost entirely Muslim country. But there is in the mountains of Azerbaijan a small community, an ancient community of Jews who have lived there for uh, untold centuries under the protection of uh, Muslim chiefs and princes. It's a very curious place. And we went to one of the synagogues in this Jewish town, Krasnaya Sloboda, 
And they have an interesting custom unlike any custom in synagogues elsewhere. And that is when you come into the synagogue, you take off your shoes. And then you enter the sanctuary in your socks. And then there are carpets on the floor, like the local custom, and that's how you have a Torah surface. And I remember having that experience. It's like, okay, sort of like holy ground. Take your shoes off and just get used to it. It was a very interesting experience. God tells Moses what needs to happen in the future. God gives Moses instructions, do this, and he speaks with wisdom and ultimate authority, and in a way that Moses understands that God has ultimate authority. But God tells Moses that he must go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh won't receive him at first, and he'll refuse what God wants until he's forced to act. Now, I don't know about you, but many people don't like going to resistant folk. It's okay to go to someone who's going to receive you nicely and be really open, but if they're going to be hostile to you, how many can identify with this? You'd rather not go to someone who just hates your guts. And you don't mind saying hard things to someone who's already open to you. But this is the assignment that Moses has given. You know, go to this one who, who resists God and will resist you a lot. He won't be happy that you're coming. I just wanted you to know. And Moses has the response. I don't really want to do this. I'm not going to be good at this, Lord. There's somebody else who should do this. Now, that's a moment of discovery that it's not just Pharaoh who can resist the will of God and refuse the will of God. Moses himself is doing the same thing. But it's not just Moses and Pharaoh. It's us. We do the same thing. We can resist the Lord. There's a certain moment when Moses is, is telling God why God's plans are not good and how he should change his plans, and he actually causes God to get ticked off. It's like, stop already, or I'm getting really mad. And this is in the Bible, that's how we know it. And the fifth thing, this is the last way that God reveals himself. He reveals himself as the same God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew. He identifies himself as the same one who revealed himself to Moses' forefathers. This is important because now he's revealing himself as a fire. He's not done that before. And in order to connect what's going on right at that moment with what has happened in the past, the Lord says, let me tell you who I am and let me tell you this, you need to tell others who I am. So it's in Exodus 3.15. And this is for all the people who wouldn't be persuaded if Moses simply said, I saw a fire, and I think it was God. This is what God says to Moses. Say this to the people of Israel. 
Adonai, yod heh vav heh, the holy name of God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is what you must say, that I, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm the one who's sending you. And then I want to connect this with um, a portion from last week's reading in Genesis 48, verse, starting in verse 15. Jacob blessed Joseph. This is at the time of blessing Joseph and his sons. He blessed Joseph and he said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. And then verse 16, the angel, the redeemer. Hamalach Hagoel. Sometimes translated, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm. May he bless these boys. Now this is interesting because in the fire of the burning bush is the angel of the Lord. And who is the angel of the Lord? Well, we get an idea from um, Genesis 48. The angel of the Lord is the Lord. And it's the Lord who appears in such a way that people can see and hear and understand and not be consumed. It's important to grasp this because many people have other ideas about who God is and whether he's always invisible, whether you can survive being in his presence. But the angel of the Lord is just a way of saying the Lord who appears in such a way that you can be in his presence and not be consumed by his holiness. This prepares Moses for the future when he's on Sinai. And the scripture says clearly and explicitly in Hebrew, the Lord descended and stood next to him. And while the Lord is standing next to him, then the Lord passes in front of him. And the Lord standing next to him calls out to the Lord passing in front of him and calls out the Lord, the Lord, and speaks of all these virtues. So the Lord who's standing next to him is shielding Moses from the Lord who's passing by. And you could say the one standing next to him, this is a manifestation of Yeshua, the son of God, the angel of the Lord, the one who appears in such a way that human beings can survive first contact and protects us from the unshielded glory and holiness of God that would consume us if we experienced it directly. And so you have the Lord standing next to Moses and you have the Lord passing by. The Lord standing next to him protects him from the, the, the holy brightness of the Lord who passes by. This is all part of the revelation of who God is. He's the redeemer. He's able to make himself visible and audible in the material world of time and space. So these are five ways that God reveals himself. As fire, as a personal presence, as a voice, as wisdom and ultimate authority, and as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's useful to grasp this as you're reading the rest of Exodus the rest of Shemot, and into the rest of the Bible, because it will help you see how God really is, which may be quite different from what people told you about how God is. 
We read in Torah things that are shocking, but enlightening. And the truth comes to us from the Word of God that's been preserved for us. And I would encourage you, take these things to heart, read carefully for yourself. Don't try to change them to fit what other people told you. Let the Word establish for you an understanding of who God is and how He works. And if you do that, you will be changed. You will be transformed. Many people say, well, where can I find Yeshua in the Tanakh? Right here, in the burning bush, with Abraham. Do you remember three angels, or was it three men, or was it two angels and God? Yes. (laughs) Wrestling with Jacob, touching his hip. Who was that? Jacob says, it was the Lord. I saw him face to face. Here, Moses is is having an encounter with the God who comes into the physical and material world. It's important to realize this so that you can discard every false theology and notion about God that has uh, tried to teach you against the knowledge that Moses attained. So let's pray. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you in fullness and in reality. We don't want to be held back because of teachings that go against Torah. We want to know you personally. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow after you. We belong to you. We're your sheep. And we acknowledge, Lord, that you are wisdom and you are the ultimate authority and you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you alone are our Redeemer. There is no other Redeemer but the Lord himself. And we thank you for this in Yeshua's name. Amen. It's important to learn these things so that you can tell others. Just like Moses. Well, what do I tell them? Well, here you go. Think about your experience with God, how he called you, how he transformed you. Tell people about that, but don't leave it at your personal experience. Connect it to the experience of Moses and those who followed Yeshua, and you'll do well. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? If you're standing by yourself, I want to ask you to move enough that you're not standing by yourself anymore. Thank you, Sandy, for coming. I'm glad to come. Thank you for bringing your red shoes. I like these shoes. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasam lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.